So today, um, as I was preparing, um, God's been speaking to me for a while about what to share this morning. So I had a choice. So I was going to go with something easy and neat, or the other choice was to go with something honest, so I, which is a little harder to talk about. So this morning I decided to go with easy. No, I'm joking. Um, I went with honest because I can't be anything but that. So I wanted to talk through something that I've been wrestling with this year um, that I've been having lots of conversation with God about. So I don't know if you've noticed, but the word love is used a lot in church. In fact, it's used 551 times in the NIV Bible. So it's kind of obviously an important concept and something we talk about a lot. Now, if we look at some of the most popular scriptures around love, um, in Matthew 22, Jesus was asked the question, what is the greatest commandment? And we know his reply. Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And this is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. 1 Corinthians 16, 14 says, let all that you, all that you do be done in love. 1 John 4.19, we love because he first loved us. In John 13.34, Jesus taught, a new command I give to you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. Then he added, by this everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So Jesus did something that hadn't been done before up to that point. People were heavily defined in the times of the Bible and identified by their culture, their nationality, their class, their tribe, their skin colour, the region they came from or their religion. And this continues on now. There's many groups in the world, it's not a negative thing, they identify themselves in any number of ways, whether it's by skin colour or by uniform, by shared interest, by university they went to, some groups have tattoos and piercings, other groups define themselves by their actions, such as abstaining from meat or their cultural practices. I mean, Australia is, designed by, is, um, Australia is defined by its love for meat pies and Vegemite and blue singlets. So the ways that people categorise themselves are endless. But the church was unique. Jesus created a group whose identifying factor is love. Where across the globe, if you're a Christian, if you're part of the, the church... You're united by um, your love for God and for others. Your skin colour doesn't matter. Native language doesn't matter. There's no rules about uniforms or nationality being a requirement. So followers of Christ are identified not only by their love for others, but the type of love, the difficult love, the unconditional love, the long-suffering, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, turn the other cheek, forgive your enemies, show mercy like the Good Samaritan. But there's something that I've learned in my 40-odd years. I don't know if you guys have noticed, but the world is kind of a jerk and quite difficult to love. Now, there's lots of really valid conversation occurring in media and public spheres at the moment around some of the issues that society faces. But sometimes I find it all too much. Am I pointing at the front or the back? There you go, I'm great with technology. Yep, it is on. <laughs> it worked. See, I said to Darren, if there's technical issues, you're my go-to man to fix it. You need to run. 
So it's working. All right. Thank you, Darren. <laughs> so one in five children experience sexual harm before they're 18. And if you're female, that becomes one in three. One woman a week is murdered in Australia by their current or former partner. At any given time, over 100,000 people are homeless in Australia. Suicide is the leading cause of death in males aged between 15 and 44. Actually, there's eight suicides a day in Australia and six of them are men. The government's attempt to wipe out Indigenous cultures through the White Australia Assimilation Policy and the Stolen Generation, which continued up to 1970, still causes incredible trauma and pain in Australia. Just two years ago, the federal government released its report from the five-year Royal Commission into the Sexual Abuse of Children and Institutions, most of which were church-based, and it's horrific reading. Then if we look local, earlier this year there was an attempted abduction of a child in Launton in a busy road in the middle of the day. In December last year, a seven-year-old girl was abducted from Kmart at North Lakes and sexually assaulted. I was in the store at the time that that occurred with my daughter. In 2015, the Moreton Bay region had the highest rate of domestic violence. I find it distressing. We had the highest rate of domestic violence in southeast Queensland. And then we have the personal stuff. The family members who treat you badly, the people who attack you in the workplace, the driver who cuts you off in traffic, people with incorrect grammar. It's not working. There you go. This is an important issue. Very frustrating. So life is kind of hard. I don't know if you guys um, connect with that at all, but there's a lot of bad news and it makes my heart really sore. Now, I come from a social work background, so I realise that I've probably had the higher um, than normal exposure to the bad news. My first client when I was 19 was a 12-year-old prostitute in Redcliffe. I've heard and seen many appalling examples of human behaviour and I've only just scratched the surface on it. Now, um, I, I guess a couple of years ago I started thinking I can't do this anymore, so I really want to create a pathway out of social work and um, God has had other ideas and redirected me back into a, a different type of role, but one that's still really touching people um, and I guess touching the issues um, that people face on a daily basis. So early this year I encountered a number of circumstances and events that really started making me think I need to move to an isolated spot in Tasmania with my children and husband and cut off all that contact with the outside world, legit, not even joking, and, or maybe I should change jobs and just forget people and go work as a checkout chick because clearly customer service never has any issues with humans. The constant exposure to the depravity of human behaviour was just getting too much. And I started saying to God, like, seriously, what are you thinking? When you asked us to love people who are unlovable, you want us to love them with unconditional sacrificial love, which is really hard and sometimes feels impossible to me. And so there becomes this question of, do I even want to do this anymore? Like, are people even worth this? It feels hopeless. Why am I persisting? So my question became, God gives us a really clear commandment. Just talk amongst yourselves. 
Oh, there you go. As followers of Christ, we are called to love the world, but how do you navigate that when the world is a jerk? So that's what I'm talking on this morning. And it's what I've been having dialogue with God for about six months. And today I wanted to talk about how God's been answering that question for me. Now, one of the first things he said is that none of what happens is new. Next. (laughs) We have a lot of information, we have a lot more information about um, the bad news. We have a lot more connection now online. So we're seeing a lot more and a lot more discussion about what the issues are in society. So it feels like things are getting worse. But can I just remind you that the first baby born, Cain, also became the first murderer, not probably the greatest start for the human race. So God prepared this amazing, perfect, beautiful planet and created humans to reign over it and the very first baby's kind of a jerk. He killed someone. So God said to me, Nikki, it's time that you accept human nature. Nothing that happens is new. It's always been happening. I knew that when I I ordained the scriptures. So I knew what people were like when I said to you, love others as you love yourself. Love others in the name of Jesus. He knew what the world was like when he asked us to do that. It's always been happening. Child abuse, domestic violence, wars, abuse of power, bullying, look at Joseph and his brothers, pretty sure they bullied him, Um, road rage, obviously not with cars, you know, donkeys, I guess, donkey rage, but the world's always been a jerk. God knew that when he wrote the Bible and he asked us to love anyway. The reason is because we are in a battle every day. We acknowledge that as Christians, we're engaged in a spiritual battle and part of this is choosing love over anger and bitterness and disappointment and isolation It's okay to feel those things. It means you're human. But do we set up camp and live in that place? One of our best weapons against the enemy's agenda, who is to isolate people, is love and forgiveness. It's really, really hard. I know that. But choosing to love the world is an act of warfare, which is what we're called to do. So accept human nature and love anyway. Now, one of the ways that I, I guess, processed or dealt with the first few months of this year was I planted a little garden at home. And the reason why is because plants aren't jerks and they don't do horrible things to each other. So I don't have time for lots of gardening, but I do enjoy it and I love planting trees. Just ask my husband. Um, Since we've moved to our property, I've planted 10 trees and he bought a chainsaw, so we don't exactly have the same focus. But the reason I love them is there's heaps and heaps of trees on our property. And what I love is that they were there before we came and they'll probably be there after we leave. People have come and gone, have lived on our property at different times, but the trees remain. And this is one of my responses to the challenge of influencing the world with God's love is plant things that are bigger than yourself. There you go. Oh, it's gone too far. How do I make it go back? There you go. Killing it. So, we plant things bigger than ourselves. Because we don't know what the outcome is going to be, it's not our job to produce outcomes with people, it's just our job to be obedient with God and, um, and make the effort to do that. We plant without expectation, we plant without control. We plant without measuring what the return will be. Being involved in something bigger than ourselves is the most basic message of the Bible. I mean, I'm pretty sure Jesus wasn't like, yeah, to the cross. 
like he didn't do it for his own benefit, he did it for ours, all of mankind. So pretty sacrificial and pretty looking at this is bigger than myself, so I'm going to commit to it. And it's good for us on so many levels. It prevents selfishness because we're not focusing on ourselves all the time. It can prevent complaining about our own lives and looking at what we lack. It gives us identity and purpose and value and connection. When we focus on others, when we focus on outcomes that only benefit ourselves, we won't be connected with those around us and we will suffer. Now, some of you will say, well, that's all well and good, Nikki, but I don't have, I don't have anything to offer the world. Well, God can use you. Don't worry about that. He can use you in whatever state and capacity you're in because he restores, he renames, and he resurrects. Now, 2 Corinthians 5.17, it's a really well-known verse. Therefore, as anyone is new in Christ, is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. Now, my husband brings me gifts sometimes, and last year he bought me a rusty old unusable wheelbarrow because he's really romantic. That was what I wanted. So as you can see down the bottom, my little garden was, I got a little wheelbarrow that's unusable as a wheelbarrow anymore and chucked some flowers in it. It can grow flowers even though you can't use it um, as its intended purpose. So we don't want to limit how God can use you to love the world. You don't get to decide, I have no value or worth. God decides that. Now, thirdly, we can't love sacrificially without God's help. So this might come as a shock to some of you, but I'm a very normal human being. There are some circumstances and people and behaviours that I really, really have trouble with. People who lie, people who hurt children, selfish people, and sometimes just people in general, people in the shops, man, come on. Car parks. Anyway, I need help with it. We are called to live in opposition to the flesh and not isolate, but to run towards the world or the people that God puts in our world. So Jesus said in um, John 15, 1 to 10, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, so it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So did you catch the last line? Apart from me, you can do nothing. We can't love like Jesus does in our own resources and in our own capacity. In fact, we can't do anything in the Christian life on our own. Now, this is, you know, a concept that I have a lot of trouble with because I'm very independent. So God continues to remind me of this in special ways where I am continually shown I do things in my own way and I'm like, oh, that didn't work again. Sorry, God. Let's have a chat about that. There was a missionary um, in China in the 1800s, James Hudson Taylor, who called the Christian life the exchange life. We surrender our life to Jesus to the extent that when we abide in Christ, he loves through us to others. We can endure rejection because Jesus is the vine that sustains us, not other people's opinions. 
His love heals our hurts and supplies the strength that we need to cover offence against us. This is where we turn to Christ to attend both our offences, the negative that we give, and offences, the negative that we receive, which again is a countercultural response. One of the things I've been relearning this year is to ask God to soften my heart towards people and allow them to see me as he does, which is what God does for me. Because if the world is a jerk, then I'm a jerk because I'm part of the world. So part of the abiding in partnering with God is asking him, what is my role? We can't stop every incidence of domestic violence or child abuse. We can't control other people's actions. That hurt us. It can be very easy to give up on the human race. Let's try again. Do you want to put it to the next slide? Thank you. It's very easy to give up on the human race and close your door and live your life as an isolated person. The depth of need is overwhelming. So ask the Lord, where can I influence the world for you? Is it within my own family? Is it my workplace? Is it my neighbour? Now, recently, we have a bunch of neighbours around us and there's, there's some neighbours who are quite elderly. So they're amazing people. Um, but sometimes when it's bin day and their bins are out at the end of the day, I ask my son to drag their bin down and just leave it in their front yard. So not every week, just occasionally. And the other week I came home from work and both the bins were out because it was a double bin week. It's always the exciting details of life. And I said to my son, come on, let's do it together. So we were chatting, we grabbed their bins, we grabbed it up, dragged it up their driveway and one of the neighbours came out. And they said to me, don't you touch my bin. And I'm like, okay. He said, I do not touch your bin, you do not touch my bin. And I'm like, cool, 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 bye. So we left it and I walked away going, hello, I'm not like stealing your stuff, mate. I'm just trying to like model to my child, this is how you be considerate of others around you. And, you know, I was a bit annoyed. And as I thought about it in the days after, I thought this is um, a family who there's no, there's no people that visit them, they don't go anywhere, they don't, uh, they, they don't seem involved in any kind of community. Their um, children don't live near them, they don't visit them. And they have come over, but we're clearly super uncomfortable and couldn't get out of the house quick enough. And it suddenly occurred to me that this person is of the age where they would have lived through World War II as a child. And they're from a European country that was particularly um, heavily occupied by German forces. And I thought, okay, Maybe he just doesn't like people and probably for valid reasons if that was his story. But it really struck home to me of this is something that we can fall into and it's not good for us because you miss out on all the benefits of community when we stop loving. So often a loving response is what changes our offenders. Now I'm not talking about being like nicey-nice and superficially pleasant to people who've offended us. I'm just talking about continuing to pursue meaningful interaction with the human race, regardless of what's happened to us. I don't believe that means we have to be friends with everyone. I'm very aware as I speak that some of you that know me well will be going, yeah, I can see all the places in your life where maybe I haven't done it very well. I have people that I have fractured relationships with. I have family members I have boundaries with around abusive behaviour. 
What I'm talking about is I continue to ask God, where can I best represent you? There are many opportunities and ways we can represent love in the world. It's just chipping away at it bit by bit. So I just wanted to show a video. Last year I came across this video. It really blew me away and inspired me just as a general human being. Well, just watch the first minute and 40 I'm an ocean lover, a child of environment. There are a lot of many people in this world who take, take, take from the planet. I feel I owe it to my planet to give, 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 give and not take, take, take. Every week and every day you'll have to do to protect the other species. First three months were the most difficult one, Michael. As, as usual, you know, when you start, nobody wants to help you. I'll give you some figures, you'll be shocked. 20 million cases of garbage. Two beaches underway, one beach is already clean, second beach on. 100,000 people are being trained at this point of time. 60,000 students working with us on roster system. I still remember the date, March 22nd, 2018. At uh, 6.30, I got a call from one of my volunteers saying that after rush to the beach, rush to the beach. And I ran and you know, I was sitting on the beach crying tears rolling down the 102 small turtle hatchling coming from the nest. And Mumbai experienced it, I'm told, after 25, 30 years. That was something. <laughs> so for us, uh, it was a blessing uh, from, um, from Mother Nature, from the ocean. You can leave it there, thank you. So I found that really inspiring. And the reason is, when you look at the before and after picture, if you want to go on to the next slide, please. The picture at the top is obviously before and the bottom is after. And the picture at the top is how I see the human race sometimes, to be honest. I'm like, oh my gosh, there's so much crap that goes on in the world. You know, there's so much um, anger and bad behaviour and it just feels really overwhelming. And if I was on that beach, I'd feel very overwhelmed by the top picture. And they work together for the bottom. So what I took away from this is you can look at that and go, how could anyone clean up a mess of this magnitude? And sometimes I wonder if that's how God must feel when he sees us, when he sees the human, human race and what we do to each other. Now, the guy in the video said a super cliche thing, but it really is relevant to be the change that you want to see. So if you see a lot of unloving actions, then be loving. If you see conflict around you, then seek peace. If you see people being unkind to each other, then be kind. So hang on. We're talking about love, peace, patience, kindness. Oh, look, it's the fruits of the Spirit. Maybe there's something to this whole abiding in him and how he changes us. We need the fruits of the Spirit in us to be the change that the world needs. Now, I'm not saying that um, you all should quit your job and just go and help people because, 
you know, as much as the long hours and the low pay and the verbal abuse is great in social work, um, it's not really what the world needs. What it needs is to change how we interact with those around us. We don't need to do any more. We just need to partner with God to say, how can I best be you in whatever spheres you've put me in? So lastly, how do we achieve it? If you want to go to the next slide, please. Obviously, we pray. I've been doing a lot of that. Mostly whinging, actually. Pray whinging. I don't know if you guys do that. <laughs> Taking my list of things to God about what I'm unhappy about. God, um, we pray that God helps us to be countercultural in how we love the world. Because it is what the world needs, is to be countercultural. He gave us a map in 1 Corinthians. Patience, kindness, don't envy, don't boast, don't be proud, promote others. Don't be easily angered. Don't record wrongdoings. Protect, trust, hope, and persevere. The reason that Jesus chose the feature of sacrificial, unconditional love for his followers to be identified by is because it's so anti-cultural and it's what is needed to break down people's walls that they have put up to stop their connection with God, with others, and with themselves. So you'll be happy to know that I've decided not to move to Beyond the Black Stump. Um, I choose to continue to get up every day and continue doing what God's put before me. Do I do it always cheerfully? No. But the reason is, is that the alternative for me to not partner with God in this is to become cynical, bitter, hopeless and isolated, which isn't good for me. Do I still struggle with what I see on the news and read in social media? Yes. Do I now limit that? Yes. Because despite the statistics I mentioned earlier, the world is not all a bad place. Through my work, yes, I've been exposed to some terrible examples of human behaviour, but also some amazing ones. This term at the school I work with, we provided 300 lunches in the 10 weeks of the term for kids who didn't have enough, and that was all funded through donations from various spheres in the community. I have seen church groups reach out to local families, mow their lawns for them, donate washing machines, do the really unexpected, and often with people that probably aren't the most grateful or receptive, and it's powerful, powerful stuff. I've seen people in the community buy school shoes and books and bags. I've witnessed our church family countless times in the 16 years or so that I've been here to cook meals for each other, to cook meals for people they don't even know to fix each other's cars, to donate money for needed items, to babysit other people's kids when they don't have anyone else, to pray for each other. I also have a small business. I write in grant applications for not-for-profit organisations. And through that, I've met wonderful people doing amazing work that are treating trauma and domestic violence victims, providing life-changing work with grieving kids who've lost their parents building inclusivity for the isolated in our community, helping Indigenous kids receive an education. There's a lot of good people doing good things. And the verse from Philippians 4.8 is one I come back to a lot, which is finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. So today as I finish, I wanted to pray for anyone who needs help in maintaining, I guess, the fight. Because we're on one side or the other. There's no grey middle line. We're either partnering with God and representing with him in the world or we're not. 
So anyone who feels they need um, an extra filling of God to love a world that's a jerk, I'm happy to pray for you. Particularly for people who might be like my wheelbarrow, that you feel unusable, you've got nothing left to give, that you've reached the end of your shell life, or you've really got nothing left for the human race. I don't judge you for being in that place because I absolutely understand it, but God can still use you. And in fact, not just use you, but to bless you through the work, just through the interaction with others. He will bless you with that.